Gardening Radio. I'm Ray Burton and welcome to another Let's Talk Gardening podcast. Our mission is to provide listeners with interesting, informative topics and up-to-date information. My co-host is Faya Caro, an award-winning gardener, horticulturalist and media presenter. Faye's passion is educating people. Oh, and she loves bugs a lot too. My passion is simply beautiful, healthy gardens. And together each week, we cover many great gardening subjects. The forecast for Saturday, or what's the date? The 21st of August, is a mild 19 degrees. Uh, we're going to see some rain coming in at about 1 to 2 millimetres, so just stay tuned for that, especially if you're a gardener, and obviously a very high chance at 90% as well. Tomorrow, Sunday, the 22nd of August, a minimum of 10 uh, tomorrow, 18 degrees, with a bit more precipitation coming, only 30%, so look forward to that. Look, uh, we're in Let's Talk Gardening, something new for me. So uh, just like to welcome all the people that normally listen to Let's Talk Gardening. And Ray Burton obviously isn't here. So uh, Jim Crinan here, obviously jumping on my bike and into the studio, sitting a very opposite, a very radiant Faye. Good, Good morning. Mo- Good morning, Faye. Good Hang morning, on, I must, uh, let me turn your mic on first. So that's Jim's first mistake. Good morning, Faye. Good morning, Petal. How are you? <laughs> I'm pedalling really oh, well. Pe- I should call you Petal, shouldn't I? <laughs> Absolutely. So <laughs> and you great. can call me Petal. Okay, Petal. <laughs> so it's going really well. Look, I'd like to. Um, I'm not used to having a big crew of people here. We see Bev. Thanks, Bev, for being on board behind the window. So we'll get some calls coming in pretty soon. And also John Glidden, who's the machine behind the whole gardening program, who gets all the goodies out for us as well. So uh, certainly look forward to get something of that information. Now, Faye. I'm going to jump straight into it. You went on a bit of a road trip last week. I did. I did. I I mentioned it before we went away uh, last Saturday. We took off at 11 o'clock and headed for Carnarvon. It was such a buzz, Jim, because these burrowing bees come out of the ground in their thousands and they don't sting and they're one of the biggest bees on, on earth. So to have them all buzzing around, it was just amazing. Hmm. So we we headed up. uh, There were four of us. uh, Put the trip together two days prior. Found ourselves a place to stay. We had Lynn, who's an orchid hunter. We had Bev, our producer, guide extraordinaire and uh, driver. And Kerry, who's also an avid bug photographer. So there were stops along the way, not so much for fuel, but wildflower and bug hunting. And the wildflowers are, are out, uh, I would say, from Calbarion. But we made stops all along the way. Lynn can tell you what is flowering where as we go through, mm-hmm. through different country. You know, there's salt flats and there's uh, woodlands with tall trees and there's heath. Uh, the the soil changes. It goes from sand, white sand, to red dirt, and we have such diversity. So we would, Leonard, say, "No, stop here, Bev. Uh, turn around. We have to go back. That's the best spot." Mm. And we would find flowers. In fact, on the way up, we stopped just past Badgingara, and we all scouted for whatever we could find. And we got back in the car, and I'm flicking through my photos, and I showed Lynn a picture. And she, she almost stopped breathing. She sort of put her hands down and went, oh, oh where did you find that? Mm-hmm. And it was a tiny little sundew. The, the flower is smaller than my thumbnail. And it was one she hadn't seen before, which is pretty rare, Jim, mm. I have to tell you. So we had to stop on the way back. 
And out of all the bushland, I found this tiny little flower, which mm. is apparently an undescribed species. Oh, well, I must say I'm a bit of an avid gardener myself, Faye, as well. And I was watching Gardening Australia last night where they were talking about very, very small. Um, there was in the forest, actually. There were, there were some um, fungi, fungi involved but also just below the root below the surface there were even smaller if you like microscopic type plants that the plants were feeding off and also other plants that were producing their own nitrogen through the nodules in the actual plants where there's a lack of you know nitrogen for them to grow well and in fact the pea flowers or the pea plants which are flowering now are great nitrogen fixers and they do have nodules on their roots and they release them back to the soil. Great segue there. This is unprepared, folks. So in a veggie patch, to to fix nitrogen into the soil, it's 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 a good idea to grow peas or anything like that? Peas are a great companion plant. Hmm. And there is something called the three sisters, peas and beans, mm-hmm. not just peas, the three sisters. And the Aztecs were quite well known for this, I believe, uh, growing corn, growing beans and growing squash because they all take up different places. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some are tall, some are ground covering, so you can protect the roots, smother weeds, and the corn, once it's established, is a a great trellis Mm -hmm. for growing up the beans. Some great tips there already in the program. Now, this morning, we've got a few people coming on board. Um, In fact, uh, this morning at about 8.20, so it's coming up pretty soon, we see Dr. Bob Longmore who has got an interesting past, an adjunct professor of the School of Pharmacy right here at Curtin University. He's now retired, but he's a gardening expert. He is, yes. He's a passionate gardener. Mm-hmm. So what he's doing, he's blending science with gardening. Mm. How does that work? Well, it's funny because I, I come from a gardening background and I am now starting to understand that there is quite a bit more to do with... Uh, gardening that that could be classed as science in sure. fact last week jim i gave a talk at a school in southern river and it was about the bees and this was organized by a science teacher for science week so mm-hmm. there's yeah science crosses over a lot of things it's it's like plants and the fungi network everything that mm-hmm. we do is interrelated so stay tuned for that uh, bob will be calling in about eight twenty. but it's all about what's happening at the nanop Flower and Garden Festival. I went there last year with my wife and we checked out the tulips. Oh, yes. It was just the whole street. I thought I was back in my native country of uh, the Netherlands, who are online at the moment as well. We go globally here on Curtain Radio 100.1, um, including the Netherlands. So, Goedemorgen. I know it's not quite morning in, in the, the Netherlands, but there you go. And uh, so, tulips are, are certainly uh, part of uh, just uh, thinking about the Netherlands. So, Faye, the program also this morning, of course, people can call in. They can. Listeners can call us with their gardening questions. The number is 94841927. Or if their question relates to the look of a plant or a problem, they can also send us photos and inquiries to gardening at curtainfm.com.au. And that's C-U-R-T-I-N. Now, Jim, something that people often say to me is, oh, I I listen to you for a little while, but I'm going here or I'm going there, or I have to listen to someone on another station. Can you believe they say that to me? <laughs> and I say, well, we do have a podcast, you know. So you can get an app on your phone. And if you've downloaded any apps, all you have to do is go to your, your Play Store and you just type in 
something like Tune In Radio, and I'm sure you'll get a, a list of different apps. It's very easy. You just find the station, and once you've done that, you can listen online or listen to the podcast later by going to the website. And, Jim, you know, I was thinking maybe we have to have a little tips and tricks segment to do with tech stuff because mm. I know some people struggle with this, mm-hmm. so we might be able to to talk about it, make it really simple, and then post it on Facebook for people to find. Mm. Or if they send us an email, John can probably flick one with instructions back. Absolutely. Folks, you might have been hearing in the background I was rifling through my notes here. I've got quite a few. Uh, there is a competition going on this morning as well, Bigger Trees as a $75 voucher. Uh, and uh, just stay tuned for that. Now, you do have to be a Curtain member, and uh, you mustn't uh, sort of, you haven't, and if you haven't won, won anything in the last 28 days, you are eligible for that. So we'll just uh, maybe, no, I'm not going to say when we're going to do it, so we'll keep people in suspense. Ooh, so they'll have to stay tuned. They'll stay tuned. And uh, so, and there's also, uh, there's a question, obviously, answer with it, and no, I won't give them the answer, no, shall no. I? No, no. Not just, no, don't give them okay. the answer yet. Yeah, I'm going to come back to your bees. Well, first of all, I just want to let listeners know why you're here, Jim, because Jim is filling in for Ray this week. Our regular listeners will know that Ray Burton is normally here with me, but she is having a birthday week off. So her and Don, both their birthdays a day apart, are celebrating. They had a lovely dinner, I believe, at the Wildflower Restaurant. Mm -hmm. So they're being spoiled and she was... Being very relaxed, I understand. Mm-hmm. So maybe, I know Don's a bit of an avid cyclist as well, and Ray's got an electric bike as well. So maybe they're out tootling around at the moment. So it's today, is it, Faye? Uh, no, it was the the other day. Oh, well, either way, the- happy birthday, both Ray and Don. Always here on Curtain Radio 100.1. Um, always good to hear from them as well. Um, now, I'm just going to ask you a question about the bees. Did you see any hesitant bees out there, Faye? What's a hesitant bee? It's a maybe. Oh, Jim. <laughs> Jim, we're on the gardening show. Oh, sorry. Behave sorry. yourself. We... Now, we've got callers on the line, so sorry to cut you off, Jim, okay. but we need now, to this, go to our callers. This is going to test my uh, ability to work the phones here, so just hang tight. So uh, on line one, we have Mavis from Morangaroo. Passion for it. Good morning and welcome to Let's Talk Gardening on Curtain Radio, Mavis. Right, I had a, a passion vine called Golden Pash that we've just pulled out. It's, it's about eight years old. And about, I think it was last year sometime, that you were talking about another passion vine that was a very good grower and a very, it pr- produced really good fruit. And I can't remember what it was called, but you were, and I was just wondering if you could yes. remember what it was yes. called. I, I know because it's my favourite, Mavis. It's called Sunshine Special. And it was, That's the one, it yes. was found in Western Australia. Such a great performer. I would, uh, yes, look out for them now. I would probably plant around October unless you, if you're going to plant it now, give it some protection. Uh, I know it's an old wives' tale to plant a liver underneath, but that's what my dad taught me and I never, ever plant a passion fruit without an actual lamb's fry in the bottom of the hole. Oh, really? Mm. Oh, and where would I get it? Will I go to a... um the Mansdale Nursery or for one of the, the passion fruit plant, uh, they well, I would I try there certainly. Bunnings, but Bunnings never had anything at all. I think they do have them from time to time, but then you've also got your specialist nurseries um, that do fruit trees 
fruit trees and right. edible plants. There's Wandilla. There's Taswan trees. Uh, there's I know there's some on Facebook too that have a range of different edibles and also your festivals like Kalamanda Garden Festival. I'm sure that'd be one of the places you'd find them. Right. And All yes. right. Well, thank you so much for that. It's just a, I couldn't quite remember what it was called, and I was breaking my brains, and I thought. I'll just ring up and find out. Well, it it may be a little bit early for them to be in the nurseries. I, I'm right. not too sure. It often what's valuable is nurseries in nurseries is when they're looking their best. So right. they bring in a lot of flowering plants um, when, of course, they're in flower. So if you're looking for something and it's not quite the season, ask at the nursery. You can put your name down. And they can often call you when they do come in. All right. Thank you so much for your help. You're welcome, Mavis. Have a good day. You too. Bye. That was uh, Mavis from Marangaroo. Thanks for calling in, Mavis. Um, Faye, I'm just going through liver and passion fruit. Yes. I mean, it doesn't sound too... Well, getting back to science, think about what is in liver or lamb's fry. It's full of blood, which, of course, is iron. And mm-hmm. do you know the chemical symbol for iron? F-E. Oh, very good. F-E. Yes. That's it. So, uh, look, we're, we're uh, running here uh, very close to a swanship break. We, we've got time to talk to Pete. Okay. Uh, just get Pete from Paul Divers online. Peter from Paul Divers has got a question about a Cape, Cape Lilac tree. Good morning and welcome, Pete. Hi, you guys. Good morning. Hi. How can we help you, Pete? Right. Yo, the... the uh, <laughs> The white seed and moth caterpillars that the Cape Lilac gets, what is the best solution um, to to get rid of them? Uh, but something that um, that won't affect, you know, any of the bird life or anything else. Because sure. sure. when we get them, um, the, the last sort of onslaught we got um, around, you know, by October time, it was like thousands. Yes. Um, you know, just that. They must think the house looks like a lilac tree. Okay. Well, okay, go back to the tree and because they will go up and down the tree. They shelter in the ground at night and then they will move away to pupate. So the common denominator is going to be the trunk of that tree. So what a lot of people do is wrap hessian around the base of the trunk and tie it on with a piece of string because the caterpillars will go up, they'll come down, they'll actually shelter between the bark and the hessian. So you can remove yep. the hessian, tap them all out and dispose of them, and that will nip the problem in the bud. I think there's also a dust. Now, I'm, I'll get John to check this. I'm thinking it's carbaryl, but I do just want to check. Okay. Okay, so that's right. that's what you do. That's the solution. Carbaryl, hold. Well, we'll get John to double-check that, but certainly the hessian. Yeah, okay. And oh. the, the, the carbaryl thing, that won't affect um, anything else because we've got, it's basically, uh, we've got bandicoots. I, I just heard that. I will double-check that is carbaryl that I'm thinking of, uh, but no, that shouldn't be a problem to your bandicoots because they're, they're not interested in being at the base of the tree. They're not interested in those furry caterpillars They'll know well enough to stay away, so they're not going to come into the same space. So there you go, Pete, and we'll just follow up with that chemical for you. Thank Thanks you. All right, guys. All Have right. A good one.
Bye. Thank you. Bye. Thanks, uh, Pete from Bold Ivers. We're going to go to a quick sponsorship break. It is 20 minutes past eight on Curtain Radio 100.1. Curtain Radio. Good. I think we've got a bit of background noise there going on, uh, waiting for uh, Dr. Bob Longmore. Are you there, Bob? Oops. Yeah, okay. Let's pick up another call here. Sorry, Jim, we've actually still got the last caller on the yeah. line. Yeah, okay. Let's uh, take that off. Let's try that. And if we can go to Dr. Bob on line six, that okay. would be great. Let's get my act together here, folks. As you can tell, I'm just fiddling around here. Let's go to Dr. Bob on line six. Uh, good morning and welcome, Bob. Good morning. How are you? Hi, Bob. Hey, can you quickly help me out, please? Is carbaryl what you use on the caterpillars? Who? Carbaryl. Oh, no, it's the Bacillus thuringiensis. Okay, which... It's the Bacillus thuringiensis is the actual, that's the viral one. Can you hear me all right here? Yes, I I can hear you. Okay, so for um, the last caller that wanted to know about the um, Cape Lilac caterpillars, I had had thought that it was carbaryl, but it's definitely Deristust is one you can use and what is also used to be sold as Dipel, which is uh, also marketed now as Caterpillar Killer. Yeah, but, I mean, if you're talking a tree, like a, a white cedar, something like that, that's a bit of a problem, isn't it? Yes, and I suggested wrapping hessian around the base and sprinkling with a dust, so maybe yeah, Deris dust was the going one. up, yes, yes. Okay, well, thanks for that. Now, you're talking to us from, is it sunny Nanup today? No, it's bloody cold oh <laughs> it's a cold dump it's no it's going to break out it's just early morning really uh, the traffic's just sort of starting i've got we've got the town hall open i'm uh, moving stuff in there because i'm doing a workshop later on at about eleven thirty on bugs in the garden and um we're, we're doing that but in the meantime yes everything it's just it's just wakening up the storeholders are putting their stuff out and it's very pleasant. It's very pleasant. I'm sitting outside the town hall on one of the seats and just looking at the scenery, actually. Just waiting to greet your uh, guests this morning. Oh, and how has the festival been going? Well, it kicked off uh, last week. It's been very, very good. We had uh, personally did a workshop as the first event on the Saturday morning in the town hall. That was very good. And uh, a couple of helpers there, and we made some insect hotels. We call them insect hotels, but they're really, the, you know, the old bee hotels in tins and everything. But a bit of chat, and we had some bugs in a in a container so they could look at centipedes, millipedes, and all that sort of thing. And uh, I set up some microscopes. Anyway, enough of me. We had a very good opening. We've got a, a good local artist, Lewis Horn, who set up this beautiful outdoor sculpture of a lotus on the uh, village green, which lights up at night. It's very, very nice. The uh, Yes, it started. Uh, I think we'll get more into swing uh, this weekend because we're on for three weeks and four weekends. And, um, yes, uh, well, we had the garden open last Wednesday and uh, we had a lovely group of kids from the Bunbury Community College uh, who came for the uh, for the morning? They were absolutely fascinated, which was great. 
And um, so this weekend, yes, we've got really full on. We've got a, a breakfast on a Sunday morning for some of these presenters. And then we've got a panic panel show, uh, which I'm emceeing, apparently. <laughs> and then, uh, then I've got my first talk in the afternoon. And I, this sounds like a Bob Ego trip, but just what's on my mind. And I'm doing a, uh, a first talk on Sunday afternoon about 1.30. It's a free event, actually, on uh, Shinrin Yuko, which is um, forest bathing, forest therapy. And uh, that should be interesting to see how that goes. So tell us a bit more about that because Jim's sitting here smiling. I introduced him to the concept yesterday and yeah. we, yes, we we would like to know more about the forest well, bathing. Do you take off all your clothes and run through the forest? You can do that if you want. It'll be cold <laughs> at the moment. Basically, it was an idea introduced based on very strong foundations, but an idea based in Japan 1982 by the Ministry of Agriculture. Because and Japan's very important in this because if you recall, Japan has got uh, some large cities, but they've got some beautiful mountains and uh, countryside. And the idea was that if you've got Tokyo, for example, which has got a 37 million population, and you think, gosh, that's frightening. But it, I think a way of looking at Tokyo is as a series of villages all joined together by a very, very good rail system. Anyway to get people out of the urban environment and the stressed environment, they started to think about people walking in the forest in a meditative sort of way, using all your senses. So you, you look at things, you smell things, you touch things, you hear things, you know. And the whole idea is that you then have a relaxing process. Your cortisol concentrations go down, your hemoglobin comes up, and... Um, it all benefits your health generally. They've found long-term effects like uh, an increase in the uh, natural killer cells, which are an anti-cancer one. They've found that the fight-flight sort of syndrome is reduced. It's a very distressing sort of situation. And that's what I'm really talking about, the whole idea. Now, the thing is, of course, NANAP, as you know, is a sort of little oasis in the forests. And uh, <coughs> it's interesting, since I put this up, We've already got two local people saying they're going to run forest therapy walks. Wow. Great, you, know, you know, and I think this is something which could really take off in Nanup. I know there's a company in or a person in Margaret River down doing the Baranup area, you know, but it's a sort of thing you can really take up, and it, it's good. It also links up the idea, Faye, that um, you can uh, link it with gardening, you can link it with the plants in your garden and even your house plants and even the choice of colors in your house. You know, green better than gray, all that sort of situation. And they've found by experiment in, Ch in Japan that these all produce a relaxing, de-stressing effect. And they've done that, you know, chemically as well, looking at cortisol concentrations. It's a fascinating area, really is. Mm. Well, it's... It also makes me think about feng shui, which, of course, is about yes. the flow of energy. Mm -hmm. And I guess in busy lives, people want to slow down the energy. They want it to flow. So not trapping it in corners, allowing that free movement. And, yes, I, you, you're speaking my language when you talk about walking in the forest or, for example, our Banksia woodlands or wildflower yes. walks where you, your state of mind does become very relaxed. 
you turn yeah. off, you forget about everything else, and your exactly. mind is just filled with what's around you. Mm, I'm a uh, well, Bob. A very, very strong link with Feng Shui. And uh, there's also the idea that, uh, yes, even in gardening, when you're weeding, if you get mm. yourself into a state of relaxation, don't be angry at the weeds. Just get on with it, relax, cool down. If you think you're walking slowly in the forest, walk slower. slower. Uh, if you want to sit and meditate and just listen to the birds, which I often do in our garden. You've been to our place. Yes. And uh, I, I spend my tea times quite often in the morning or the afternoon just sitting on the chair, doing my reading but listening to the rainfall or the birds. In fact, I actually started recording some of the sounds of rain and birds on my phone sitting there. It's very, very pleasant. And if we can get people to relax and de-stress, that's the important thing. Sure is. Mm. I may relate that here. To, it's Jim Crinan speaking, Bob. Um, might uh, relate that back here to Perth as well, I must say, during lunchtime breaks, just to find the park in and around Perth, and we've got a plethora yeah. of parks in Perth. Uh, Hyde Park, for example, and as they're dotted around, and I must say, I just sit in the park on a bench, have my lunch, and you sort of go through that feeling of de-stressing. Mm. As, as yeah. exactly what you say, I can totally relate. I've got a, a garden at home as well, and I find different energy levels where I walk in my garden and there's certain thoughts that come back at certain different areas in the garden and it's sort of, you know, it's just so relaxing. Well, one of our beautiful holidays recently was in Japan a couple of years ago and the thing about Japan and the city is they know how to move people around and as I said, they have this fantastic, I love trains, so they have this fantastic railway system, but they have some beautiful parks and the parks are based on very old setups, you know, uh, uh, a, a, a duck hunting area, a, a relaxation area, tea houses, all that sort of situation. So they, people can escape into those areas and just relax. And I think the whole idea is that you can de-stress, you can remove these stressful factors and just really enjoy yourself. Well, that's for sure, Bob. And I think, you know, Western Australia at present is the envy of the nation. We have We have freedom here. We have all of these festivals going on and we have West Australians stuck in their own backyard, I would encourage listeners to, to get out for a day and overnight, get out into the country mm. and visit some of these areas. You can go an hour from Perth and and find a different landscape. You, you know, you can go two hours and see a few different landscapes. It's It's just such an adventure and a great time to do it. You don't really have to go too far, and you can, if you if you have the opportunity, and walk by the sea, walk by the river, just relax, take in what you're seeing, hearing, smelling, this sort of thing. It's absolutely fascinating, and uh, I think it's one of these things we're going to have to push like mad. Look, WA, if you're a West Australian, you should be incredibly proud of what we're doing. I'm I'm very strong supporter of the Strong Iron Fence. I must be honest. And I think it has worked well. I feel very sad for the people in New South Wales and in uh, Victoria and Queensland and that. But what can we do? Some of the people totally flouted all the recommendations and well, now they're inheriting it. Bob, I think what we can do is get out, make the most of it and, and yes. share it. You know, virtual tours, uh, Facebook photos, sharing what we, we do, not only for people in our state. And you say... Walk, if you're walking slowly, walk slower. I say yeah. if you're looking closely, look closer. 
and yeah. and I encourage people to sit at a flower. And or... I'm thinking of you, you and your photographs of insects and uh, bees. <laughs> Absolutely beautiful. And no, that's what you should do. You, you should integrate with with uh, nature. One of the things I'm doing next weekend is wilding for children, oh. and it's the idea again of getting kids away from the. Uh, the uh, phones and the televisions and all the games and all that sort of thing, getting them out, getting them dirty if necessary, but getting them to appreciate what nature is all about. And we've got a fantastic ability to do that in, in Western Australia. We're in the most beautiful state in the world, actually. We sure and, are, uh, Bob. We should take advantage of it. And listen to Curtain Radio on a Saturday morning. Let's get some hints. Uh, no, it's great. Oh, very good. Well, we wish you luck with the festival i hope it continues to go well and thank you for your time today i know you're busy and and we were on no, a uh, time I'm, schedule say i'm not panicking i've got a few helpers we've moved most of the stuff out of the car now we'll get it set up we we'll leave it there's a, a production before me so i can sort of go and have a, a breakfast over the road actually all right well, we've got caroline waiting on the phone so yeah. thank you very much bob lovely to talk to you as always much appreciate the invitation. Thank you and enjoy your morning. Thanks, Bob. Bye. Bye. That was Dr. Bob Longmore, live from Nanup. Let's go to Dianella, Caroline. Passion fruit. Oh, morning to both of you. Morning, <laughs> Faye. Faye and Jim today. <laughs> Jim. Sorry, Jim. It just flipped my memory for a minute. Um, yes, I sent the photos through to you. I am a MS the photos through to you. Did you get them for my passion fruit? I haven't, Caroline. Oh. Uh, we we don't you on the gardening show. We have the yeah. email. We haven't accessed uh, SMSs. I'm not sure oh. where that goes to. Oh, okay then. Yeah. Well, the other thing I wanted to know is the peach curl's looking really bad on it. When can I cut it back? Trim. I thought if I trim off some of these leaves, these Glaze with curls on them. On on your passion fruit or Yeah, on the passion fruit. It looks like a peach curl. Okay. I need I do need to see the leaves. Yeah. And I need to look into that a bit more. So uh are you able to use the email? Oh, I can use email. Okay. I don't know how to get the pictures on my phone to the computer because I don't send it I can't send it through my phone. All right. Well maybe Bev yeah. can give you my number. And you yeah. can send it to my phone. If you just, we'll put you back okay. to Bev. Okay. I think. Can we do that, Jim? I can try that. So, okay. Okay, Caroline, we'll put you back to Bev. And okay, uh, if you send th you. through a photo of your passion fruit, then we can sort that out for you. Thank you for calling thank in you. on Curtain Radio. Let's talk gardening on this Saturday morning. Let's move right on this morning. Uh, Dr. Bob was interesting to listen to Dr. I Bob. Know. And he touched on a whole bunch of things that we were <sighs> chatting about, not just walking, but cycling, smelling, uh, seeing, all the rest of it. And yesterday as I rode home, unfortunately I had two punctures yesterday, Faye, <gasps> not the best. <gasps> and uh, But I could already smell, and regardless, the, the, the already the flowers starting to appear. And also you've got, even though they don't seem to have too much perfume, uh, Geraldton Wax as well, yes. but they are littering, I'll use that word, down a leech highway everywhere. And West Australia, what a great place to be right now. Well, it is. Now, Jim, if you've got punctures in your tyres, do mm -hmm. you know what punctured them? Oh, look, uh, there's so much debris on the edge of the roads these days. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, what I was going to say, it it does come down to littering. And I know when I walk somewhere, if there's a piece of rubbish on the ground, I'll pick it up. Mm -hmm. 
if if I'm organised, I'll have a plastic bag or disposable bag in my back pocket mm-hmm. and and I'll wander around and if there's something in the way, you know, hopefully not too much, but we can all yeah. bend down and pick I something I think we do, up. and I must say, and as I do ride my bike a bit more than walk, I do see a lot of people doing exactly what you say. Mm. And we'll just reminisce here. Remember going way back down Riverside Drive, you say this little sign, let's keep Perth clean. Yes. Along Langley Park up there. So maybe that's a good reminder for a lot of people. And I do see a lot of fast food waste being thrown out on, you know, in, in areas where they shouldn't really. Um, look, uh, we're going to go to a little sponsorship break. Uh, it is, um, I'm just going to get this right, 22 minutes to nine right here on Let's Talk Gardening on Curtain Radio 100.1. Curtain Radio. A lifetime of gardening. Curtain Radio 100.1 every Saturday morning between 8 and 10 o'clock Perth, West Australia time. And in saying that, we have Kevin and Suzanne from Umina Beach. Did I say that right? Umina Beach in north of Sydney. Keen Gardens and love listening to Curtain FM. And uh, hello over there and hopefully mm, you are enjoying the program and you're safe in Sydney. Let's do a quick weather forecast for today, the 21st of October. August already. I was going to say October. Let's not get too far ahead of ourselves here. Today's maximum is projected to be 19 degrees with some showers still coming in. Also tomorrow, Sunday the 22nd of August, uh, 10 minimum. Over uh, tomorrow, 18 degrees and a bit of precipitation still floating in. And then throughout the week until next Wednesday, it's going to be dry. And then on Wednesday, Faye, it's going to be 25 degrees. Things are going to be popping out there or not. Oh, I hope I can get out in the garden. It's going to be great. So, uh, And just in Perth at the moment, it's 12 degrees. At Mandra, it's 16. Rottnest, 16.5 degrees. Mm. Now, Jim, I really have to get back to the fact that Mm -hmm. I mentioned carbaryl. That Mm -hmm. is not what I was thinking about. So I suggested wrapping the trunk with hessian. And you can spray a household insecticide there because it's actually a trap. You can also, if the tree is small, you can spray with one of the safest things to spray, and that's what Dr. Bob was talking about, Bacillus thuringiensis, and that is marketed as Caterpillar. It used to be sold as Dipel, and that is very safe. It's organic. If you spray the leaves of the tree, when the Caterpillar eats the leaves, it ingests the poison and dies. That is when the caterpillars are young. It's not so effective as they get older. Mm-hmm. But once again, if they're coming into your house, what they're doing, they, they're probably at that part of their life cycle where they're ready to pupate so that you might find them in your letterboxes, behind your curtains, any little dark hidey holes. So that's the idea, the concept of creating a trap. Mm-hmm. As they say, Faye, that rhymes, Faye. Don't ever try to spell part backwards. It's a trap. Oh. So that wasn't a trap question either. But uh, So we've got a few emails coming in as well, Faye. Yes, we have. Uh, and also, John, uh, for the listener that was looking for the Sunshine Special, Guildford Garden Centre do have them in stock. Now, we've got some events coming up. Today, the Camellia Society have an open garden today and tomorrow. It is uh, 10 to 4 today and 10 to 3 tomorrow. And it is at 21 Beachborough Road South in Bayswater. Now, I've been to this garden. The camellias are amazing. You know, camellias at the moment, they're just blooming. 
the ones up at Araluen are looking gorgeous. I noticed the ones in my garden are just in full flower and they're putting on a real show. The the rain and the intermittent sunshine is really just mm. making everything bloom around the place. So open garden there. We also have coming up on Tuesday, Be Garden Ready This Summer with Andrea Whiteley. Now this is on at the Mount Claremont Community Centre from 10.30 to 11.30. You will get inspiration. You'll learn about maintenance and renovation. It's in the Banksia room and bookings are essential. So you can get online, uh, Andrea Whiteley, Garden Consultant or the Mount Claremont Library. Mm -hmm. Araluen Tulip Festival. Tulip Festival is on too. I was up there yesterday for the official opening and the tulips are, are starting to bloom. Their festival starts today. 150,000 tulips planted this year and what a bumpy year. Last year it uh, was very difficult because we were in the throes of COVID but this year bumper season and it is the oldest botanic garden in Perth. The festival runs from August to October so yeah pick a day. Got a favourite colour? There in the rain. Yeah got a favourite colour? Have I? Yeah tulip wise. No? What's your favourite colour? Red, like, orange, white? Ooh, I'm a bit of a greeny blue girl, like a special aqua greeny blue. Mm-hmm. Uh, orange, okay. red, mm-hmm. vibrant, vibrant and contrasting. Vibrant Jim. and contrasting. So orange is obviously a nice Dutch colour. It's the, it's the actual house of orange in Holland. So orange and tulips sort of go hand in hand. But I suppose historically tulips actually originated from Turkey, I believe. Mm-hmm. And they were traded um, in or in the Middle East, so people might want to ring on that one. I'm not Googling anything at the moment. And they were then uh, highly prized in the Netherlands or Holland at the time as a, as a trading commodity as well. So some of the bulbs were, were extremely expensive. Uh, you know, a lot of money was spent. But in Holland at the moment, or in the Netherlands, let's say that, because the Dutch government have actually banned the use of Holland. Kukerhof is the world's biggest tulip. Um, um, growing area, if you like, and Kirkerhoff is a massive garden as well. So it's highly in the beginning of the year, and um, from about uh, February onwards, uh, the tulips there are just amazing. Wow! Yeah, I wonder if that was where I went. You know, many years ago, mm-hmm. we we did a Kentucky trip. Mm-hmm. Yeah, most probably, absolutely. We we went to a tulip bar. All the highlights, all yeah. the wonderful things around the world. Well, yeah. now we were just. Relive our memories. Yeah, absolutely. I think we all do that here, and that's uh, a lifetime of gardening right here on Curtain Radio 100.1. Now, line's a bit quiet at the moment, so I'm going to rev it up a bit. So if you'd like to go in for a $75 voucher giveaway, and this is the compliments of Kerry from Bigger Trees in Pickering Brook. Must say, not far from our place, and I know my daughter's been up there a couple of times, a great place to visit as well. Yeah. So um, if you want to check out a stunning nursery and a leading provider of Fangipani's ornamentals, fruit trees, including an, an ever-increasing range of deciduous, evergreen, flowering and native trees, hibiscus, shall I keep going here? Hibiscus, proteus, gardenias, camellias and magnolias, magnificent magnolias. I've got this, I think it's called Xmouth magnolia. Oh. And it's a massive event. It's got massive big white flowers on it. And I think it grows to something like 20 metres. It's a really big variety. Wow. Glossy green leaves at the moment. And once this magnolia starts flowering, um, it, it, it is, um, you know, really a, a really uh, nice thing to see. 
Not sure this is going to work for you. I'm going to try and play the sponsorship break because it's 13 minutes to nine. We'll see what happens. Curtain Radio. Let's just move right on this well, morning. Well, Jim, let's give the, the question. Yeah, okay, let's do the question. To... I just jumped there. I was panicked there, panicked there a little bit. So we have a, got a question here. Now, this is for a $75 voucher from Bigger Trees. Where did everyone's favourite Christmas plant, got one of these, the poinsettia originate? Originate. Let's say that properly. Where did everyone's favourite Christmas plant, the poinsettia, is it poinsettia? Poinsettia. Poinsettia. Originate. If you know the answer to that, give Bev a call right now on 94841927. You do need to be a um, Curtin member as well and not have won anything in the last 28 days. Go for it, which I just skipped our little sponsorship break. So, uh, But anyway, let's, get, let's keep the show rolling this morning. I've got a couple of questions as well, being an avid gardener. Um, now, my roses are starting to bud. Uh, not bud, but yeah, some of them are actually budding. And I did notice that there were some already roses appearing on them. So they are starting to put some growth onto the actual... Because you pruned yours early in the season, yeah, didn't you? Yeah, I did. What I did intentionally, I pruned them at different timelines, like about oh. two or three weeks apart, mm-hmm. so to get the not everything all at once happening. Did that work? It, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, right. yeah. So some of my standards are already, you know, sort of starting to bud up, dare I say it, and the, the lower roses are, are still uh, greening up, if that's the right mm. term. When shall I start fertilising these? When you get about eight to ten centimetres of new growth. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I guess probably about now. Right. And, you know, people ask, what what do I fertilise with? Well, I was thinking about how I could give an eloquent answer. And I think it's a bit like us, how we have our three main meals and they're kind of solid meals. And then in between we, we might have drinks or something light. So I would put something into the ground uh, like a blood and bone or and a complete fertilizer designed for flowering plants but something that's also slow or controlled release because that will continue releasing slowly to the plants Mm -hmm. but then when the blooms are budding up you might go out there with a liquid feed and give them a foliar spray so you can go half strength and that will encourage the size of the blooms Mm -hmm. and more blooms looking forward to it Mm. Now, it is 10 minutes to nine, and we will go to a sponsor break right here on Let's Talk Gardening on Curtin Radio 100.1. Curtin Radio. Pedalling up the garden path this morning with Faye. Uh, we have a winner for the Bigger Trees competition, Jan Mason from, from Victoria Park. Congratulations, and uh, go up to Pickering Brook and check out what Bigger Trees have got on offer. Now, I'm not going to let you off the hook, so we just talked about roses. Yes. So I've got So we chatted about diosmas during the week. Now, pruning or cutting back diosmas, is that a dodgy business to sort of get into without killing it? Yes, you wouldn't want to cut into the hardwood. Mm-hmm. And diosmas, I tend to think, have a use-by date. Mm-hmm. Do you think yours is maybe getting to the use-by Ours by date? are about, uh, we moved into our place in 1998 wow. and they were already established. So I've been uh, just trimming them back. Mm. But each time you sort of give it another couple of millimetres. So they're about uh, two metres tall. Yes. So I just want to sort of give them a, a bit more of a, a bit tricky, you think? I, I think it's tricky. Uh, do you still love them, Jim? Love them terribly. Just the, oh. the, the actual the fragrance that comes off them. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and they're different colours. We've got green and also the, the yellow, the variegated variety. You could, you could also try, I mean, depending on 
if you gave it a really severe cutback, mm-hmm. it might not come back mm-hmm. and it would look pretty ordinary. Yep. So you could maybe go through and do a little test mm-hmm. for yourself to see how far you can actually cut back. So one here and there would be fine. Mm-hmm. And that will tell you whether it's going to reshoot because you, you, if you don't want to lose them, mm-hmm. take the time and... Maybe we should ask my neighbour to cut his right back to see what happens. Oh, yeah, that's <laughs> a good idea. <laughs> good idea. Now, the, the, we are got, we've got some free time here on Curtain Radio 100.1. If you'd like to call in, do so with your gardening questions on 94841927 and you'll have Faye's full attention. Now, Jim, I've well. got some emails here that I'd mm-hmm. like to get through. We we didn't finish off everything last week. We always get really busy towards the end of the show. So Cheryl has sent in an email. Hi, girls <laughs> and Jim. Mm-hmm. Just want to say a huge thank you for the vouch to bigger trees that she had won the week before. She visited the nursery and loved browsing around, said it was just beautiful. She bought three beautiful grizzlias and couldn't resist a tract-to-seat plant. Do you know the tractor seat plants, Jim? Well, I'm, I'm assuming it's got to have a big leaf on it. It does. So she said, thank you again and a huge thanks for your great show. The tractor seat uh, plants have a, a big leaf and they do look like an old-fashioned tractor seat, um, you know, bigger than the size of a dinner plate. They mm. look fantastic in a uh, a tropical garden as an understory plant, very lush and green. They won't take full sun. They like a moderate amount of water. Mm-hmm. So there you go. And John has found out, or no, John's received an email from Stephen. Thanks, Stephen. I know who you are. He said the Sunshine Special Passion Fruit is available at Dawson's. Uh, he'd seen some at the June Deluxe store. Can I get a quick question about Passion Fruit? I bought a grafted one some time ago. Yes. And the shoots are still coming out about 10 metres away from the actual original plant. Oh, Jim, that's... You know that these plants should be on the weed list. Mm-hmm. Honestly, mm-hmm. if it's only five or ten meters away, you're lucky. Mm. I've got them twenty meters away, and they're going up gum trees. Mm. It's it's a curse. I will never recommend that mm-hmm. someone buy a grafted passion fruit because mm-hmm. the root stock is a weed, and we we've got the wonderful sunshine special. Anyway, moving on, Roz has sent us in a photo. She'd like to know what's eating her blueberry bush. She used neem oil a few times, but no success and can see no caterpillars. Now, looking at the photo, I can I can see some beautiful new growth. The older growth does appear to have some holes in them, but they look what I would call necrotic. They've gone brown and the the middle has just dried and fallen out of them. So I don't necessarily think something is eating them, though something may have had a nibble. The fact that the new growth all looks fantastic and healthy going forward, Ros, I don't think you have to worry. Uh, what I would do is j- just give the bush a bit of a tidy up if you haven't already. Remove anything that is very thin, crossing over or has died back and give it a feed because it'll start producing flowers soon. Good advice there. Always here on Curtain Radio 100.1. We do have a couple of minutes here. From yes, Yvonne, we could squeeze Yvonne in. Yvonne from Alfred Cove. Hydrobergias. The Hyden, go on, you say it. Hydrobergias. There we go. Good morning and welcome, Yvonne from Alfred Cove. Yes, Hi. good morning. How are you? Hi, good thanks, Yvonne. 
I just want to um, question the habit, growth habit of the Heidenberg here. I've planted some in a neighbour's garden along their fence, uh, the purple and the white, um, and of course they're going to need a trellis. When I've been walking around the neighbourhood, I've noticed that the growth seems to be more at the top of the trellis and very little down below. Is, is that yes. the way they grow? Yes, it is, Yvonne, and, and as soon as okay. you mentioned... Hardenbergias and that you'd planted them on a fence. I thought if you um, adjoin your neighbour's garden, you will probably get the better better end of the bargain. They do oh. unfortunately get quite scraggy down the bottom, and they put yes. put their growth up the top. Now you can help to avoid that by managing when it's early. So giving it a little cutback. Like a lot of things, you need to start pruning plants as soon as, you know, in their early growth. So not long after they go in. Okay, because they're probably around about, I don't know, probably two foot high now, I suppose, or a little bit longer. Um, But um, I thought if it was a matter of uh, having to plant some undergrowth to cover up the vacant spot at the back, then I would put something in to to do that. Well, they are climbers, you know, that is their habit. So what I would suggest, it's still small, it'll be flowering about now, trim it back after flowering and try and keep it like a shrubby bush. Whatever you plant close to it, I can almost guarantee you it will take over because it wants to climb. So it will get in and up and and over it. Okay, all right. Okay, okay, well, that makes it easy for me. Thanks very much. Thanks, Yvonne. Bye for now. Thank you. That was Yvonne from Albert Cove with a really good uh, question as well. And and thank you for uh, sort of coming in with your expertise there as well, Faye. So it's always good to have uh, expert gardener on the show. And we've sort of got some combined expertise here, cycling and gardening. What a great combination. Petal to petal. Petal to petal. (laughs) And saying that... It is nine o'clock. On the Saturday morning, the 21st of August, today's temperatures is going to go up to, I'm not going to say leap up to, but 19 degrees is forecast today. And there's still some precipitation floating around Perth, about one to two millimetres in fact, so maybe get the brawly out for the rest of the day if you're in and about. Tomorrow, Sunday the 22nd of August, a minimum of 10 overnight, 18 degrees and then it finds up for a couple of days. So uh, weather's looking really good in Perth at the moment. It is 13 degrees, Mandurah 16, and also ditto at Rotnest. Now, the answer to the quiz. Yes. Now, the question, of course, was where do poinsettias come from originally? And the answer is Mexico. There you go, Mexico. Now, we've had Edwina on the line waiting very patiently from Glen Forest, who's got a question about camellias. Good morning, Edwina. Uh, good morning to both of you. I hope you're well. Yes, we um, are. Thank you. Um, Jim's here with his trainer wheels on for the gardening show, but he's doing a great great job. Oh, that's good. Look, I've had a magnificent flowering of um, my camellias this year, but I've got one particular bush. It's not in flower yet, and it's just growing its buds. Oh. Uh, I'm not sure what might be missing. Okay. This is interesting. Do you know what variety it is, Edwina? Oh, it's the... um... Oh, sorry, there's a car going past. Sorry, what variety? I'm not sure if it's a 
I can't, I can't hear you, Edwina. Um, I'm in a car with no... Oh. Sorry. <laughs> I can hear you better now. Oh, that's good. Um, I'm not sure if it's a japonica or it's a sanko. It's the one with the big leaves and the big flowers. The okay. Well, the the only thing I was going to say is some varieties are prone to balling and dropping their flowers. So mm-hmm. uh, it, when when you're buying new plants, it's a good idea to, to find out what's available. Find out a little bit more about them and their habits and, you know, any problems that they might have and ensure that you don't get one of those varieties. So if it is one of those, it's probably just going to happen. The other thing that could be causing it is a deficiency. So it might be one of the trace elements. And this is why fertilising is very important. And oh, why yeah, I've, I have we, done that. Um, okay. Yeah, and I've had a beautiful flowering of all of them that I've got. They're very, oh, They're quite old. They're over 20 years old. Wow. And so it's been good every other year? It has been. I noticed last year that it started to drop a few buds as well, but this year it's quite noticeable. Okay. So it it could be the the trace element deficiency or the variety of plant, or it could be environmental conditions. Something's happened that's caused them to drop. Yeah, no, fair enough. I just thought I'd ring and check, but Mm. I'll um, not too late to feed it now. Uh, well, it's flowering now, so there won't be a great deal of benefit feeding it now. Um, mm-hmm. a, a good time to feed them is probably autumn and also when they're they're budding up. Yes, yes, I've, I've done that, so that's yeah. fine. And now right, just, we'll just see how it goes. Yeah, in, enjoy the flowers, give them a, a cutback or a nice trim afterwards, after they finish flowering, and give them a little bit of feed to to encourage the new growth, but not in the really hot weather. No, no, definitely not. All right. Thank you very much, guys. Thanks, Edwina. Thank you. That was Edwina from Glen Forest about camellias. And I had that same problem with my camellias last year where they were budding and dropping off. But this year they're magnificent. Oh, good. Yeah, so really good. Look, uh, just moving right along this morning, uh, joining us, uh, we have... Alan Barrett, the Executive Director of the Botanic Gardens and Parks Authority. And I must say, Alan, uh, you've already revealed that you've been out for a bike ride this morning. So it doesn't get much better. Uh-huh. Morning, Alan. Good Good morning. How are you? Very good. Are you up in Kings Park or you got the day off? I have got the day off this morning. Oh, lovely. Well, it's lovely to have you here on the show. And yes, with our... Cycling expert Jim Crinan filling in for Ray. The famous Jim Crinan, right. <laughs> a privilege, Jim. <laughs> no worries, Alan. Welcome aboard. We'll just pedal in tandem uh, gardening yeah. and cycling all in one. So today, Alan, you're going to tell us all about the Kings Park Festival. For example, what's been planted over the three months to put on a spectacular show the top flowers that we might see and the top locations to see them. So I'm looking forward to hearing all about that. Yeah, fantastic. Well, look, the, it's, uh, we, we need a fair bit of time to talk about the festival. So we've got five or seven kind of activations happening across the entire month. So, you know, heading around 200 different sort of opportunities to kind of engage with the park in a different way. So uh, certainly a lot for the gardeners, but a lot for the people that just want to enjoy the park, uh, perhaps meet an artist, 
um, take advantage of some of the free music that's uh, playing on the Aspects lawn across those weekends. Um, but the, the whole park really does come alive for, for September. What sort of music and do you have a dance floor? We don't have a dance floor. It's mostly uh, it's mostly acoustic. Okay. Um, and it's just that lounging on the Aspects lawn uh, if we get a bit of fine weather. Um, really take it take advantage of the uh, the ambiance of the park oh, how lovely so things have been busy up there with the staff planting ready for the festival what sort of things are we likely to see well they have been incredibly busy so they've planted uh, around 25,000 plants to really I mean the, the bush and the gardens do a fantastic job on their own um, but the horticulture team uh, really want to put on a show for the public through September. So um, a, a range of, uh, of different planting. Certainly the kangaroo paws um, are always a, uh, a bit of a spectacle. But the everlastings through those beds are also, um, you know, hugely popular. Um, very, very Instagrammable. Um, and there's a range of guided walks for, for people who actually perhaps want to learn a little bit more about what's planted and where and, and why it's significant. Um, the volunteer guides uh, do an amazing job and they've got a range of sort of special walks, uh, which include the bushland and wildflowers, so the, the um, nature in art um, and also bush tucker and um, some of the floral gems. So a range of different a range of different walks that people can uh, go onto our website and and book to uh, participate in those. So there are a lot of walks there, and just a reminder because there are a lot of good tracks. So when people do get the opportunity to wander through Kings Park, they should be mindful to stay on the tracks and not walk in the bushland. Yes, yes, please. And look, there's there's donkey orchids along the side of the track. Um, in, some fairy orchids uh, with the fantastic rain that we've had we've you know the bushland's putting on a great show um, and then of course there's the curated garden beds as well and what activities what other activities are available up in Kings Park well given that given the tough time that uh, some of our commercial partners have had with uh, COVID and tourism um, I'd be, be great to have uh, have some of the listeners uh, get involved with things like the Hike Collective, um, the Go Go Active uh, bike tours, um, of course, uh, the Go Cultural with uh, Walter Maguire and the Noongar tours with Kerry Ann Winmar for people that really would like to, you know, get speak to um, traditional owners about the cultural heritage of Kings Park. Um, love to see those businesses uh, supported through this time. And, uh, you know, there's some just great offerings, mindfulness in nature. Um, they're all great experiences and uh, a chance to experience the park in a different way. So, Alan, I hadn't heard of some of these opportunities. So are these businesses that run through Kings Park as, um, as distinct from the free guided tours? They are. That's exactly right. So um, some of those are fairly new um, and some of them have been going a, a few years now. But they're, um, they're people that have got a passion for the park and a passion for their, uh, their interests. And it's just a really exciting way to uh, experience whether it be the bushland or whether it be the botanic garden.
Oh, that look, they sound like wonderful initiatives and I'll certainly be looking that up. Where can we find more information? Well, look, off our website, uh, there'll be links to those businesses uh, for in the experiences sort of section. Um, as I said, that they are independent businesses, but they work really closely with us and they've really come to the party in terms of the festival by offering some uh, some sort of special events. Excellent. Well, that's great for, for people who live in Perth who are frequent visitors to Kings Park but want a different experience. Exactly, yeah. Absolutely, Alan. Just on the go-go active tours as well, just getting around Kings Park on a bike, I have got some fond memories of... In fact, I'll go back a few years ago, <laughs> 1974, in fact, we had the Australian uh, Cycling Championships around Kings Park as well and going up the hill, I was 185 kilometres, so many time up the hill and in some later stages as well. But look, just riding a bike around Kings Park in a guided way and just stopping along the way, you get the same sensation but see a little bit more than you walk. So you still get the the, the you know the smell, the, t- the feel of just being in a park in the middle of a city right next to the river i mean it's you know for a lot of people that just drive past on mounts bay road every day it's just a quick turn and you're into the park it's just so uh, soothing and relaxing we 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 listened to uh, dr bob just talking about getting out into the bush and king's park what what a what an icon what a, what a real asset perth has on the doorstep yeah and look for um uh that that is a fairly a fairly new business, and it starts. Uh, some of those tours are starting outside the park and arriving at the park in a pretty novel way. If you've come around the river, past the Blue Boat House, and up into the park, and explore some of the places that you might not get to if you've started uh, over at that sort of developed area over in the sort of the Wajuk car park, um, a, a great way to just see a different side of the park. Well, they have um, double decker buses come up there too, don't they? Yeah, so Perth City Explorer Tours, um, and what's a little known fact is that even if you're in the park, you can actually just do it. There's a cheaper ticket that is actually just a lap of the park in the double-decker bus. Oh, um, good So time. I think that's a $6 ticket, and you can use it almost as a clipper service, um, jump on, jump off. So uh, we'd, we'd love to see people um, just exploring every aspect of King's Park. Well, I know when we used to be able to travel overseas, the double-decker buses were something that we we did everywhere and we could get a good overview. And why not be a tourist in your own city? Yeah, exactly. Mm. So what are the top locations in the park to see flowers? Um, Look, there's the the Botanic Garden, obviously. Um, The areas up around... Forest Drive, so that's heading up to the DNA Tower, and if you want to jump across, the DNA Tower is now opened after being fully refurbished um, along that area. Certainly, Sorry, Alan, what is garden. the DNA Tower? The DNA Tower, well, that's that uh, 15-metre tower that sits at the top of the Broadwalk Vista with views through to Rotnest. Okay. So it's oh. that double helix that you can climb. Yes, okay, now I know. So that's just been refurbished. So look, that area along there, Row Gardens is one of my favourite spots, um, just a really different view to the city. Um, along Lovekin Drive is um, where you'll see the Pink, Other, Pink Everlasting, so that's up at the eastern end, um, but the Geraldton Wax and Kangaroo Paws. Um, around Zamia Cafe, that sort of, um, sort of grow me at home kind of theme. So there's some of the signage there which really provides visitors 
some tips around um, some of the West Australian natives that really do well in domestic gardens. And there's some dig it with coffee sessions that uh, happen all the year, but they're particularly popular through the festival time where you can um, meet some of our staff, but also some of the fantastic um, Friends of Kings Park volunteers and the Horticultural Advisory um, team uh, in the Friends that uh, can answer questions and um, give people a few tips on how to get West Australian natives uh, going well in your own garden. So people have to book in for that, don't they? Look, the festival time is really busy and, um, yeah, bookings are pretty well essential for, for some of those kind of activities. And when is the next plant sale? Well, thanks for mentioning that. Um, I'm just uh, have to remind myself because it is it is the biggest uh, plant sale of the year. It's on um, Saturday, 11th, and Sunday, the 12th. So it's a two-day plant sale for the uh, the spring one. So that runs from um, nine to four on the Saturday, and nine till 12:30 on the Sunday, um, unless we sell out of plants before then. Oh, well, I know that. For, for people keen, this will be on their diary and they'll be up early. And I, I remember hearing how early some of them were getting there to get in the queue after doing their homework, working out what rare plants they want and making sure they didn't miss out. Yeah, no, we've <laughs> seen them well before dawn sitting out mm. there on the exhibition ground. Oh, wonderful. Right, well, I think I think we've covered it, mm-hmm. Alan. So. That that's your office space, is it? The Kings Park Gardens. Well, yes, I'm I'm looking over um, Fraser Fraser Lawn and Fraser Avenue, but pretty privileged, uh, privileged, pretty privileged spot there. Oh, wonderful! Well, thank you very much for joining us today, and that gives us gives our listeners uh, a bit more information about what's to see and do up there and the new activities. So, mm. good good to hear. Thank you very much. All right, thanks for the opportunity. Okay, bye for now, Alan. Goodbye. That was Alan Barrett, the Executive Director of the Botanic Gardens, up in our wonderful Kings Park. It is 20 minutes past nine. Curtain Radio. At 22 minutes past nine, it is rambling on right here on Saturday. Or uh, What's the name of the show again? Let's Talk Gardening, Let's Jim. Let's Talk Gardening, get that into you. You know, I want to say uh, let's start cycling the cycling program, but cycling and gardening going together this morning. I just see George Minaldi prancing around the studio, getting all fired up for his classic 60s coming to you right at 10 o'clock this morning. So stay tuned for that. In the meantime, we have got Lynn from Bentley calling in about camellias. Good morning and welcome, Lynn. Morning. Good morning. How are you, Lynn? I'm good. Good. I'm just ringing about the camellias. I don't have a lot, but uh, I have a few japonicas, and my very beautiful ones, um, they, their buds dropped as well, and they they, they seem to be uh, waterlogged. Oh, right, they, they okay. They didn't open, and they were just heavy with water, and they just dropped. Okay, yes. Uh, not all of them, but um, it, it was that variety, um, and I lost a lot of really beautiful ones with all the rain. Yes, well, and this is the thing, like, it's not about really anything we can do if it's environmental. Certainly they will drop their buds if they're overwatered or underwatered. So it may may be to do with the amount of rainfall that we've had and it can also be related to wind. So we had some really severe winds at different times and that can knock the buds off. I've got beautiful camellias and I never saw a lot of them this year. 
They were just tight. They didn't open. And you could actually feel and squeeze the water in them. Yes. And then they just dropped. They just went sort of a brownie colour and just dropped. Yes. So that might help that lady. And Faye, I just want to know, um, I want your wisdom and your advice on my um, passion fruit vine. I've got a sunshine special. Yes. I've had it for about two and a half years and it's been very fruitful. And it's time for me to um, tidy it up. How do I do it? Okay. I would wait another month, Lynn, and I would trim it back. So the the main where it comes from the base yep. is that healthy growth or are there um dying stems coming up through it? Yes. So um we have some lovely neighbours and we've been sharing our passion fruit and it appears say that um the neighbours have have had a little bit more than what we've had. Yes. <clears throat> Excuse me. So they uh, they trimmed their side, and um, because it just sort of got out of control on my side, they they trimmed so it would be right on their side, and it's caused a lot of deadness to yes. one end. So that's quite easy for me to trim. The main trim is green. Um, my side is um, green. Um, I can see through it just a little bit. Okay. And I know well, that it's too early to do it, but yes. there's, a lot of, uh, there's a bit of dead wood there. I'll trim that off, but what do I do with the green? Yes, I would cut it back, depending on how big the vine is. If you trim the ends of it, that will encourage them to regrow and mm-hmm. give it a feed at the same time. And as soon as you see some flower buds, give it some potassium. And you will get more fruit, more flowers, and more growth. So by cutting it, you you encourage new growth. The new growth will then flower and fruit. And it will do it at a time that it can actually ripen. Mm. Okay? So, yes. So um, it's not a hard cutback, then it's a tip, is it? It's it's not a hard cutback. You know, 10% would be fine, just a a trim and or to keep it in check. Lovely. Okay. Thank you for that. You're welcome, Lynn. And and you had a great trip. I loved the the Facebook photos. Yes, well, I'm... Just making a decision and going for it. Well, you kind of have to when it's uh, a natural phenomenon and the bees are active between July and September. So what I've done, Lynn, I've sorted my my photos from the two trips because I was up there in July 2018 and I've started to put a little bit of a story together. I'm just trying to work on some music and then I'm going to release an info video about the bees. It'll, you know, very amateurish, but with everything that I've learned about them. Well, Faye, um, we love your program and we know you, but we don't. We didn't know the lovely Bev that answers the phone. And oh. having talking to her, having talked to her this morning, I now know who she is. I can put a face to her. Yes, she was in on your trip. Yes, she she decided on the Friday that she would come with us on the Saturday, and we left straight after the show. <laughs> we're lovely. we're still buzzing. Yeah, great. All right. Thanks for your call, Lynn. See you. Bye. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. That was Lynn from Bentley.
about camellias, and that just wove its way all the way back to the beach from last week. So uh, I was just waiting for my invite for that trip, that road trip. Oh, it's limited seats available, Jim. Okay, now let's move on to also Phyllis in Bentley, striking orchids. Good morning and welcome, Phyllis. Uh, Good morning. Um, We've just been to Albany and a cousin down there has the the most beautiful orchid. Now, please don't ask me what type it is. It's an orchid. That's all I know. It's 20 years old in a huge pot, but she's got the ideal spot for it. It's like a little sun area Mm. that she keeps it in over the winter and then in summer she puts it outside she's she's given me a flower off it which is still lovely it's about a week ago but i'm just wondering can we plant that or try and strike from the flower uh i wouldn't think so um depending on what sort of orchid it is but i if you can send a photo we can work out what sort of orchid it is and how it would be propagated. Some will grow from seed. Others will grow from a division. Uh, Possibly others may be grown. The Phalaenopsis will actually grow another little plant up their flowering stem. Yeah. And that can be removed. So the fact that you've got a flower, I don't think so. But it will tell us... I guess all we could do is try it anyway. If it works, it works. If well, it doesn't, well, okay. If, if you can tell me, if you can send a photo, I can tell you mm. what sort it is and how it would be propagated. Okay, then. All right. I'll try and do that. Okay. okay. All right. Okay. Thanks be, very much. You're Thank welcome, you. Phyllis. Bye. Bye. That was Phyllis from Bentley calling in about striking orchids. And orchids can be very striking in colour as well. Oh, Amazing, and there's so many different types. And then we have our native orchids, yes. which are just oh, they're they're popping up everywhere now. Like mm. Alan said in Kings Park, the the donkey orchids are flowering now. They're one of the early ones to come out. The cowslips or sun orchids won't be far away. The pink fairies, the blues, the spider orchids, the enamel orchids, wow. and they're a vibrant metallic purple mm. or mauve. Ah. Uh, Oh. It's just, yes, and I've got a. Here we go. I'm going to use this word again a plethora, which means a lot of orchids yes. here, right here, native orchids right here in Western Australia. Uh, let's go to Canning Vale. We have Tuan who's got a question about a locust tree. Good morning and welcome, Tuan. Good morning. How are you all? Yes, we're good. Thank you. How can we help you? All right. I uh, planted a, a locust tree about, about two years ago, and it's about two meters high. And uh, I, I've seen other trees in the area. It's very luscious and it uh, produces fruit. But my tree has gone very, very scraggy, if I use that word. Um, yes. the, leaves fall off, the leaves fall off and the leaves get crinkled very quickly. Now, because of the spring coming in, there are a few shoots, but the tree was never luscious, if I, if I put it that way to you. So I wonder what uh, I can do and what the investment not investigate, but what I can look for, what the tree needs. Okay. Yes, uh, two metres is good for two years old. It will need yes. to be a little bit more mature to, to flower and fruit. Uh, if it mm-hmm. did flower now, it would be best that you didn't let the fruit set because the tree is establishing itself. Can you tell me what you planted it into, please, Tuan? Uh, planted into straight into, uh, you know, the normal ground. You know, I prepared it and put, uh, you know, soil enrichment and I put it straight into 
sorry, uh, in our garden. Okay. And how long has it been there? Been there for two years now. Okay. So that's that's all sounds good. It, it sounds like it probably just needs a little bit more help to establish it. So you could use a clay and compost around the base. Keep it away from the trunk of the tree because you don't want to encourage collar rot. I like to make a well or a basin so that the water can catch in there. And you could also give it uh, an organic type fertilizer, something that will improve the soil. And you don't want to hit it with everything all at once. So so slow release would be good. Uh, something like a, a palletized, um, there's dynamic lifter, there's seamungus, uh, you could add blood and bone, uh, a, a controlled release fertilizer. All of these things would help, but not added right. all at once. Okay, right. And the, the telltale is the new leaves. So if you've got healthy new leaves, that is a very yeah. good sign. Yeah, Just, it's shooting up. It's shooting up. But okay. it, uh, du- during, uh, like, um, you know, during uh, any season, if there's wind, or I, I could be just wind, it seems to lose all its leaves. So when I compare my tree with the next door, there's another neighbor about four, do- four doors down, and his is very luscious, very grown, and growing well. So I was okay. wondering if there's something to do with the soil. Well, it sounds to me like you've answered your own question saying when when it gets windy, the leaves blow off. So yes. what you could do is put up a, a screen barrier yep. and t- a couple of stakes and a piece of shade cloth just to yes. buffer those winds, and that will help right. it. Yeah. All right, then. Okay. All right. Thank Best you. of luck. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you. That was... Tuan from Canning Vale. I'm learning some stuff here too, locusts. And how delicious are locusts? Uh, oh, oh, it's locust season. We have the biggest, oldest tree. It was established when we got there 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. And so I look forward to locust season, eating them fresh off the tree, having the grandkids climb the tree, mm-hmm. picking the fruit, turning it into chutney. But I've got a question there. Fruit flies and locusts. I don't have them. No, no. The birds okay. get what's the birds left get on the tree. Mm. Okay, let's go to Linda in Gosnells. Passion fruit must be on everybody's mind at the moment. Yes, yes. Hello, Linda. Good morning, Linda. Hello there. Actually, it's for my daughter down at Port Kennedy. Her passion fruit's deci- looking decidedly unhappy. The ends are sort of dying off and the leaves are dropping on the ends. I think... Basically, the the bottom part is not too bad, but the the rest of it doesn't look very happy. And I'm just wondering what's going on. Mm. Well, if it's been well prepared in the soil, then it's what been you... there for a couple of years. Okay, so yeah, um, if you were listening to what I said to the last caller, I would do the same thing again. So, you know, topping up the soil, clay and compost. I did forget to say mulch, but mulch is really really important uh, and adding something that releases slowly so like the um, blood and bone uh, dynamic lifter um, seamungus anything like that helps improve and feed the soil as well as yeah. a complete yeah. or controlled fertilizer so we're putting the wind and the winter behind us and trim it up in about a month 
and you'll get new growth. Mm. And when you see the flower buds, give it potassium. Okay. Oh, when you see the flower buds, yes. that's when you give the potassium. Yes, because oh. that will help the flowers and the fruit development. Prior to that, a complete fertiliser designed for flowering and fruiting plants. Oh, great. Okay, I'll let her know. And I just want to say to Jim, I was riding my bike in the 60s from South Perth over the Narrows and down to UWA, and a friend said, if I didn't know you, I'd think you were queer, meaning strange. Yeah, I and, know. And then I used to ride my bike up to Leaderville Tech, where I then worked, and then over to Mount Lawley and over the Causeway and around, because I was working at Trinity as well. And I was a lone cyclist, I tell you. Mm. But now wow. they've got paths everywhere, which is wonderful. Yeah, it is, Linda. Look, and uh, I suppose that's the uh, the legacy of cycling and gardening together. It's a really healthy activity to get there on your bike and go gardening at the same mm. time, or maybe not on the same time. So thank you for calling in about a question thank about you. passion fruit. And and if you do cycle still, do it safely, Linda. Thank you. Okay. Thanks. Right. Thanks. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Let's move right along. Uh, we have Wayne from Greenfields. Now, I've got one of these as well. A pomegranate tree. Okay. It's dropped all its leaves. Well, yeah. Yeah, at the moment, and uh, <laughs> I need to give it a bit of a trim. But anyhow, that's not that's not my question. That, that, all right, let's give... see what Wayne's got to say. Good morning, yeah, Wayne. Yeah, yeah. Pomegranate tree. Yeah, mate, yeah, I've got this pomegranate tree. It's, I've had it for about 25 years in the same position. It's not a problem. It uh, seems to be growing okay. But uh, every time I get fruit on it, um, some years I get an absolute bucket load. Other years, I'll probably get one or two. Other years, I don't get any. And then all of a sudden, it'll come back uh, fruit everywhere. I'm looking at it now. I've got plenty of um, uh, leaves going on it. I'm just wondering if it just, the whole thing needs a good trim or something to encourage the, the fruit to stay on the tree or, or even just to, to get it to flower, you know, to get the yep. fruit to come yep. on, you know? So are you consistent with your treatment of it every year, Wayne? No, not at all. No, I, put it, I put it in there 25 years ago and we got bucket loads off them every yes. year for years and years and years. And you know what? With, sometimes with established trees, you really don't have to do much at all to them. But, of course, the more love you give to them at an appropriate time, yep. the more you can get a good response. So, right. so you've got a, a mature tree. It's been there for a long time. Yep. Look at it now. It's got some new growth coming on it. It will probably come up to flowering soon. Yep. Remove any dead, dying or diseased twigs and branches or anything that's crossing over. So you're opening yep. up the tree a little bit. Yeah, no, I see that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So you can, you can cut that out. Now then when it flowers or before... Yep. And and when it's got no leaves on, you can see the framework. So that's a good opportunity. Yes. But you can also cut it back later than that. So when it flowers, you can see where the fruit would form. If you've got a bumper crop of flowers and they all set, you'll get a lot of small fruit. Yep. If everything goes to plan. So if you were to... A little because the birds keep knocking it off, but yeah, I know what you mean. Yes. So, well, that's another point. If you cut back your tree so it's a manageable height, you can then throw a net over it. Yeah, yeah. So that's yeah. an important factor. Yeah. Uh, so because it's starting to grow, I would give it a feed, and you were probably listening to the last so, two callers, so all of that would apply. Yeah. And then when you get the flowers, you could give it some potassium. So could I cut it back now? Yes. Yep. Yep. Beautiful. Yeah, but even, though, even though the new shoots are coming on now. Yes, but don't cut back 
every branch across the tree? No. How, how about doing every second one? Because yeah, you don't yeah. know yet where those flowers are going to form. And if you yeah. if you cut a foot off it all over, you'll, you'll cut off all your flowers and then you'll get no fruit. That's probably what I've done before. Okay, so the timing. So, what so give it a trim, but don't trim every branch. Let it tell you where it's going to flower and then you'll have less fruit but bigger, better quality. That, that, that's a trouble that I've got a chainsaw on my hand. And oh, do not it. do it with a chainsaw, Wayne. <laughs> well, it's a tree. It's been there 25 years. Yeah, I know what you mean. No, no, that's right. right. Yeah, I'll do, I'll do it with some proper tree lockers. <laughs> Good. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Wayne uh, from Greenfields, for calling in pomegranate tree. And uh, I must say, Faye, I learnt a little bit, and that is why you've answered my questions uh, perfectly. Good, good. It is 20 minutes to 10. Curtain Radio. Moving right along this morning, we had George Manelli just joining us in the studio, who will be coming on in just a minute with a classic 60. So stay tuned for that. And, Faye, there might be some jive music coming on as well, because I believe. <gasps> oh. So I've oh, seen yes. you out the floor going way back, jiving along out there. Right. <laughs> Look, we've got a very busy show lined up this morning still. We've got 18 minutes to go. And uh, we've got a, a bunch of emails and I've some more information. I've still got some what's on to announce and some emails from last week as well as some that have come in today. So I'll try and whip through them, Jim. Now, the Wildflower Society of WA Northern Suburbs Branch have a sale on today or their open day. It is from 9 till 12 at the Lansdale Farm, which is on the corner of Hepburn Avondale Road. They've got continuous demonstrations of growing West Australian native plants from cuttings, seeds, grafting and potting up. You can talk to expert volunteers about selecting the right plant for your garden. You can discuss your problems such as soil type, if you've got a, a limestone coastal position, are you looking for somewhere with shade you'd like to grow in pots and containers you can get all the advice on watering verge planting pruning weed control and mulching for wa gardens and they have a free raffle with plant and gift prizes so that's today from 9 to 12 at lansdale farm andrea has sent in a tip i always appreciate her feedback because she she gets an opportunity to say things that I miss out or don't get time to say. And she suggests that a great thing to do in autumn and winter is use a wetting agent, followed by seaweed. Even though we've had lots of rain, the soil can be bone dry when you dig down. And it can be the reason lots of trees are dropping leaves. So that that's worth considering. And mm -hmm. often that is, yeah, although I would talk about, well, dig down with your finger and see what the soil's like. I must admit, I wouldn't have thought with all the recent rains that that could be a problem, but it certainly could be. Absolutely. Let's go to Yokine. We have Roma with another Camellia question. Good morning and welcome, Roma. Oh, good morning to you all. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Um, I just wanted to ask you about my Camellia. I've got one that I bought oh, many years ago, maybe 50 years ago. Wow. And it was... It's quite old, but it's very healthy looking and it flowers well. The only thing I've noticed now for a few years, it, I bought it as a baby pink, very soft baby pink, and the middle is sort of double. It's beautiful. But it's starting to have two colours on the tree. Oh. Salmon, it's going to a salmon colour, 
and most of the flowers on the tree now are that colour instead of the soft baby pink. There's not a lot of those. And I was wondering why. It doesn't come from the ground. I mean, it's in the middle of the tree that, and the top of the tree, the sides, all with that uh, salmon-y colour. Okay. Uh, well, that's interesting, Roma. Uh, what I would be wondering, if, if it was called baby pink, then I would be able to track back and see who its parents were. So then you get, you also get sports on trees where a branch will throw a completely different flower and that is often where new varieties come from. Now, when it happens to grafted plants, sometimes the rootstock can actually take over the larger tree. So you would be from the bottom, wouldn't it? Well... That is from the bottom. So perhaps you could look back and see where your where everything that is that salmon colour, where it goes back to. That may, I'm guessing, may be more vigorous, in which case it's doing better than the original. I think the original name was Debbie, if, I'm, if I remember okay. rightly. Right, I okay. think. There is a chance that someone from the Camellia Society would be listening now. Um, but, yeah, right. we could, I could look into this a bit further and, and give mm-hmm. you a an expert answer. Oh, that would be great if you would. Okay, so it's about 50 years old. You think yes. it was Debbie. Uh, it's It was uh, baby pink and now... A very salmon. beautiful soft pink. Mm. All right. Very good. We'll uh, see what we can find. All right, then I'll keep listening. It won't be today, though. No, no, no. Okay. Definitely right. not, I know. Okay. All right, well, thanks for your help. And You're welcome. Love listening to your show. Thank you. Thanks for your call. Thank you. That was Roma you so from Yokine. Thanks for calling in, Roma. Now, you've got to do that a bit carefully. So it was De- Debbie. Debbie. Yeah, from the Camellia Society. No, no. It was <laughs> Debbie who's... Who she thinks the yeah. plant was named. I was playing, I was playing a little bit. Oh, though. Jim. <laughs> let's keep a bit serious here. Now, let's go to, uh, to Beachborough. In fact, we have Julie joining us right now, um, who's got a question about a lemon tree. Good morning and welcome, Julie. Hi. Um, well, I bought a dwarf lemon tree two years ago and it's never grown. Mm. And I fertilise it and do everything. But it's in the ground, so... I'm thinking, should I just get rid of it, maybe? <laughs> well, uh, I'll give you permission to go and buy another one, but I wouldn't give up on that because sometimes they take time to to develop their roots and establish. And the fact that it stayed there and, and is alive. So were you listening when I gave advice on what what to add to fruit trees? Uh, no, I okay. sorry. So I... If it's growing and it, it's healthy, uh, even though it's still small. I know Lynn from Bentley had a tree that wasn't growing and, and then she looked at it a bit later and it put on new shoots after we talked about it. So anyway, what you can do, you want to establish the root system. You want to feed the root system and encourage new growth. So we're looking at um, improving the soil from above now because it's been planted in the ground. So... You could use a compost and clay. You could use uh, some palletized manure. You could use blood and bone, but not everything all at the same time. 
and okay. then make sure you mulch it because citrus trees have a very shallow root system. So a good layer of mulch, keep the water up to it and and just have patience. All okay, right. Julie? Well, thanks for your time. You're welcome. <laughs> Thank you. Thank Bye. You. Thank you. That was Julie from Beachborough. And I think we've all just about got a lemon tree in our backyards and uh, it's always an asset to have a lemon tree And because uh, they keep on just keep on giving. They do. Now, Jim, can I quickly do some emails or another make, one at least? You, make it snappy, Faye. I will. This is from Fran and she sent in a photo. It, it looks like one of the South African proteas and it looks to me like there is a, a beetle or a caterpillar made its nest in the stem. Now, for the sake for the sake of biodiversity, that that is quite okay. It's quite likely that it has completed its life cycle. Fran, what you can do is go through and remove any of those affected stems and see what you've got with. The plant's not necessarily doomed, and there might not be much left when you have finished cutting away, but. The, the borer goes in and it makes its hole in the stem and what you're seeing on the outside is swarf mm-hmm. or swarf or excreta. Okay. So it, it tells me something's living there. So okay. that's lovely. Okay. Thanks. So we're just going to go to a sponsorship break. It is 10 minutes to 10 and George Minaldi is tapping away in the background. Curtain Radio. We're getting to the tail end of the program, Faye, and we've still got mostly about four hours worth of um, emails and information and gardening is just endless. And that's the whole pleasure element of gardening that you just do a little bit every day. Now, we're going to go to Marangaroo and we've got Leslie online. Uh, Banksias, Leslie. Oh, hello there. Oh, that was quick. Wonderful. Um, I won't hold you up too long. Um, I have a Banksia tree. It's one of those skinny ones. Okay. Um, uh, and yeah, it would be about two and a half. It's grown beautifully. Um, you know, it's, it's sort of more like a pencil. It's lovely for small um, patches and that kind of thing. Um, I'd just like to know: would I be able to cut off some of the? I'll just say a bit kind of messy little branches on it. Yes, if you would like to tidy it up, that yes. that would be okay. Make sure it's a clean cut. Yes, and okay, yes. I'll wash my secateurs first. Yes, yes, and yes. so I can do that. Yes, yes, that would be fine, Leslie. Tidy it up okay. and make it look beautiful. Thank you very much indeed. Dear. All right, thank you okay, for your call. Okay, bye bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. That was Leslie from Marangaroo. I'm going to whip through these emails. Okay. So go for it. We have received uh, a lovely photo from Jenny. She says this plant comes up every year, has done in winter for over 20 years. What is it? Such a beautiful and dainty flower. And it, it's got a little white bell flower with yellow dots on it. And it's actually called a snowflake. And it's one of those beautiful bulbs. There's lots of them flowering up in Araluen at the moment. And uh, you'll see them in gardens all around. Yeah, Perth. I must say snowflake. George is sitting in. He's looking like a snowflake, actually. <laughs> Very good. I'm going to keep on with the emails. So we've also received an email from Leonie. So she's responding to the call from Maureen from Mandra last week. Um, Maureen was after a ground cover rose that didn't lose its leaves. So thanks, Leonie, for sending in this. She saw at Bunnings Midland yesterday some flower carpet or 
ground cover roses and these are a red drift now actually i saw bob melville yesterday and we will get him in the studio in the next few weeks talking about roses in particular ground cover roses and see if we can come up with something that would um, suit maureen dipner has sent in photos of a beautiful ponytail plant and because we are running short of time towards the end of the show I can't share the whole story but what I can say is that this was a gift uh, from someone that that passed away and is now for the first time starting to flower so it's called a ponytail palm but it's not a palm also known as a bottle palm or elephant's foot and the botanic name is Bocania recurvata and recurve because of the way the leaves turn back now, they resemble an onion when, when they're young and they can have leaves that are two foot long and the trunk widens as it matures. So they can actually get to about 16 foot or about four metres. It will have white flowers and the pink seeds are three winged that develop later. You will actually find them around Perth and I understand the female plants will only set seed if there is a male nearby and it takes about 10 years to flower. They are across Perth and you'll see some very large ones in people's gardens. It looks like some have white flowers, some have pink flowers, but the pink are the, the wing seeds. So moving right along, another beautiful photo from Julie and Steve in Brentwood. And it's a picture of a pineapple that they grew from IGA 20 months ago. So that's that's really good in under two years to receive a little pineapple. Mm. And I can tell you what, it doesn't matter that it's small. It will be sweet as anything. And you just, all you have to do if you buy a pineapple and it's still got um, the, the top attached, you just... Cut that out, make a little cone cut in the top, pull it out, pop it into a pot or into the soil, and it grows. It's a bromeliad. Hmm. I must say, Simple. I've got about five or six in a pot exactly the same page. They were in one pot. No, no, all separate. And some of them were the smooth leaved ones, but also yep. the very spiky, the very, very sweet ones as well that send out pups all the time. So I've got oh, numerous. Beautiful. And feed them. Give them a big pot, okay. give them lots of food, hmm. lots of liquid fertilizer. Fertilizer mm. uh, and sun. They love sun and warmth. And I'm not sure if we mentioned last week, Joanne sent us in some some fungi that she found on a walk. And um, she says she enjoys Curtain Radio and it's many different announcers. So very fitting for today. And the fungi season is just going on. Now, I will leave the last couple of emails. Jim, I will hand back to you. Thank you very much for filling in for Ray today. You've done a sterling job. Oh, it's been a bit twisting and turning around the garden path here this morning. And I'm always, thank you for your advice. And also I've learned a fair bit here. So hopefully all the people that have been listening in this morning have gathered something out of that as well. And of course, this is Let's Talk Gardening on Curtain Radio 100.1. We'll be back again, or Ray will be back. And she's celebrating today and tomorrow with Don. Having birthdays so close together. Celebrating I mean, all week. How does that work? I mean... She you know, deserves who gives a break. Breakfast in bed. I don't know who you know does what. Maybe they have two. I don't know. So anyhow, enjoy the weekend, both Ray and Don, and uh, certainly Faye. Thank you. Also, Bev, who's been exceptionally busy in the background. There, we had a lot of people calling in, and also Dr. Bob, and then also talking about Kings Park Festival as well. So a great, great show. And also John Glidden, of course, in the background. One thing I forgot to mention 
You've got a massive bouquet of Geraldton wax here sitting on the table in a bucket. That was a bit elegant there. Three Eloquent. varieties of wax flowers and rice flowers. Yeah. Okay, so that's really nice. So it's always good to sit in amongst the flowers here. And uh, Faye is in good company here, both both <laughs> George and myself are <laughs> in your company, right? So thank you for joining us here on Let's Talk Gardening on Curtain Radio 100.1. We will now go to George Minnelli with the classic 60s coming up right now. We hope you've enjoyed listening to another edition of Let's Talk Gardening on Curtain Radio. Happy gardening.